How y'all doing? Good on a Wednesday night? Enjoying this mild weather lately? Right? The weather is changing, which is nice. Spring is coming. Punxsutawney, the groundhog. Hedge, what is he, groundhog? Didn't see a shadow. So we have early spring, everybody. Spread the news. Spread the word. Winter is over. Um, that's right. Uh, so for those of you who've been with us lately, you know we have been, uh, I love the title of this month's series um, because it truly does describe my life when it says y'all need help. Uh, and, and I would say that's true um, for some of you too who I know. Uh, and you know that we've used, we've turned help into a little acronym in uh, talking about relationships is really what this month is about. February is notoriously relationship month that Valentine's Day falls right in the middle of it this Friday. For all you men who didn't know, this Friday is Valentine's Day. Just save some of your marriages. Uh, you're welcome. You can make checks payable to Alex McDonald. That's cool. Um, and last week, um, my, or two weeks ago, my dad opened up the topic talking about honor, uh, which was just so great. And really the foundation of relationships is understanding what it looks like to honor each other. Then my Aunt Joy last Wednesday, didn't she do a great job? Were you here last week? Yeah, she was so good. She sat in order to go short, but we were glad that she went a little long because we just had fun. She was working the sound guy and the lights guy, cueing everybody. Yeah, I remember that. Just great. Um, and, and then the, on Sunday and today, we're going to be talking about expectation. Uh, if you were here with us on Sunday, you know, we talked through the story of the life of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Uh, and we talked about the story of when Jesus goes and he has a meal at Martha's house. And we saw the contrast between Mary and Martha in that Martha was busy doing the stuff to get everything ready. And Mary was sitting at Jesus's feet and, and Mary's ex or Martha's expectation that she thought Mary was supposed to be a certain way. And and we saw how expectation inside of a relationship, although valuable, when expectation isn't directed in the right way, when it's not used properly, we saw in the life of Mary and in the life of Martha that it can be actually very detrimental in relationships. Uh, in fact, William Shakespeare once said that expectation is the root of all heartache, okay? Uh, a relationship coach, Esther Perel, says that expectations are resentments waiting to happen. Ooh, that's... I didn't say that. Somebody else said that. Uh, and we're going to talk about that today because we, we touched on it a little bit on Sunday. And, and today, for those of you who know Wednesday, we really do our very best to try to get practical with the Scripture. Um, I think that sometimes we can study the Scripture, we can become very scholarly about our understanding of Scripture, but I'm convinced that the strength that the Word of God has for us in our life is that we understand how to apply it practically. How many of you know that the Bible tells us that it's faith plus action? It's our belief system plus our understanding of how to practically apply our belief system that produces the results that we're looking for. And surprisingly enough, Jesus writes and God writes and the writers of the Bible write a lot about relationship and how to have good relationships because it's one of the foundational things that we were created to have as man and woman, as human beings, is that we were created to have relationship. 
relationship with each other, relationship with God, relationship with our church family, relationship with our children. And the Bible has a way to tell us how to do it right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this evening. I ask that tonight you'd help me to communicate well, that we would understand how to apply the scriptures to our life, that we'd be able to take text that was written thousands of years ago and understand that it has its place in our modern culture today. I ask Holy Spirit that you'd come and you'd be with us, that you'd open up our minds to be able to understand, open up our hearts to receive the truth like a seed that would produce a 30, 60, 100-fold return in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody says? Amen. Amen. The text we're going to go off of this evening is Matthew chapter 26. Uh, it's a very familiar passage of scripture uh, in that uh, it's the woman with the alabaster jar. The woman who is, as we're going to read in a moment, she's about to take this very expensive jar of oil or perfume, and she is, for what we come to understand, is about to anoint Jesus for the sequence of the passion that he's about to go through. But what we're going to read is we're going to talk about uh, the expectation that the disciples had towards Jesus, towards money, towards um, this woman that's going to cause an indignation, the scripture uses that term, um, in order to describe what happened inside of the hearts of the disciples when they had an expectation, but Jesus didn't meet that expectation, and then what he goes on to begin to explain to us about that. So let's read. In 20, uh, uh, Matthew 26 and verse 6, it says this, While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured out on his head as he was reclining at the table. How many of you would like that? Jesus just, I'm the lazy boy at the table. It sounds enjoyable. Verse 8 says this, When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Because they had an expectation of what they th how they thought Jesus was supposed to respond, but responded in a very different way. And they said, what, why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. In verse 10 says, aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me, the poor are with you always, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume onto my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, whatever this gospel, what, wherever this gospel is preached through the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. How many of you see there's a lot of different expectations that are happening, a lot of different communications, a lot of different realities that are all intertwining in this passage of Scripture? And we've been talking about this concept um, in that sometimes what can happen is, and it has become really the... the um, common reality with a lot of marriage counselors, a lot of psychologists, where they want to try to paint this picture because a lot of people don't understand how to use expectation. And like I read in these quotes, uh, is that sometimes they can make us feel as though the best thing for us to do in life is to get rid of all of our expectations and kind of just live life as it comes at us. That Many marital therapists will tell us that if we would just simply expect less out of our relationships, if we would lower our standards and lower our expectation, we simply, because we have no expectations to be disappointed, we therefore will never be disappointed with our partners. We understand the heart behind this and that logically, I guess we could draw some wisdom from this, but we know that this concept is spiritually inaccurate. We look at the life of Joshua and realize that 
It is our expectation, or as what Joshua realized, it's that we experience in our life the very things that we expect. And statistically, although logically we may look at it and say that if I expect nothing, then when nothing happens, I won't be disappointed. Statistically, it's shown very clearly with overwhelming results that people with low expectations almost always tend to be in poor relationships. In contrast, people with high expectations, although maybe they are, there are less people in relationships because they have high expectations, the people who find themselves in, the ex, in, in high expectation relationships tend to have better, more life-giving relationships. Statistics suggest that by having high standards, we're more likely to achieve the kind of relationships that we actually want to have. And that by looking the other way or ignoring some things or letting some things slide would, although maybe work in the short term, in the long term, those relationships are shown to degrade to the place where they're just very abusive, verbally, emotionally, physically, in some capacity, because we just allowed things that we should have never allowed. But at the very same time, each and every one of us could attest to the fact that like the scripture that we just read, we have also had expectations inside of relationships where those expectations have gone horribly wrong and have turned into bitterness, frustration, anxiety, strife, etc., 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 where we've watched our expectations be the very thing that created a negativity inside of our relationships. So my question is always as I find these things, I think that these are the things that I love to think about. These are really the things that I love about Scripture. It's how Scripture always calls us to walk a very fine line. Is that oftentimes in Scripture, you can find the very thing to justify what you want Scripture to justify. Because Scripture is all about walking a very fine line. How many of you know when we talk about really the famous thing that we talk about in 21st century Christianity is the line between truth and grace. And you can have some people who fall to one side of truth and other people who fall to the other side of grace, but how many of you know the scripture is fulfilled when we understand how to walk the narrow path? That's what the Bible tells us, is that there's many ways that seem right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. The other scripture tells us that wide is the road that leads us to destruction, but narrow is the way to life. And so although we would find that, it's, that there are stories on both sides of the equation where expectations are concerned, that statistics tell us that we should have them in order to have good relationships, but often expectations are the very thing that lead us to have bad relationships. How many of you know there's a fine, there's a narrow way that we would walk? And I've, I've titled my message tonight, it's going to sound funny because initially it's potentially going to bother some people, in that the title of my message this evening is that we're striving for the good enough relationship. The good enough relationship. Now this sounds like, obviously for all of us, 
Uh, it was certainly received better than I thought it would be. It sounds as though from the title that what I'm coming to instruct you to do is to settle for less than the best that God would have for us. But isn't that the contrary to what this marital relationship statistic is telling us about? That in fact, what we should be striving for is the very best that we possibly can get. That we shouldn't we be able to expect a perfect relationship? So allow me to explain the concept of what I want to talk about. Now, I want to add a note in here in that just because this is Valentine's Day month and we're talking about relationships, we're not just talking about marital relationships, although I think sometimes marital relationships are the easiest ones to talk about. These rules about how to set good expectations in relationships work for friends, they work for children, they work for parents, they work for employees, they work for your relationship with your boss or that weird guy who has the adjacent cubicle to you. These rules work for everybody because they're simple, practical guidelines about how to set good expectations in our life. So this is the thing, in a good enough relationship, this is what I focus on, people have high expectations for how they're treated. They expect to be treated with kindness, love, affection, and respect. They don't tolerate emotional or physical abuse, and they expect their partner to be loyal to them. Now, the line that I want to draw is this. It doesn't mean that it's always going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that we are always going to get whatever we want out of the relationship. And it doesn't mean that conflict is a sign that we are in the wrong relationship. Because the reality is, is that the happiest, when studies are, uh, have been done on relationships, it's in fact couples that rate their marriages or their relationship as the highest level of happiness often are the ones who also have the highest amount of conflict. But this is the thing that people understand, is conflict is healthy when it leads to understanding, not victory. I want to say that again. Conflict is healthy when it leads to a greater understanding and not a victory. You see, this was my flaw in my, uh, uh, really in relationships in general. My wife is not here to agree with me, but she would agree with me if she was here. Because when I got into a relationship with Danielle, um, I thought that it was my responsibility to her to whenever we were in an argument to make sure that I came out the winner of the argument. And really, it was a no-holds-bar, death-match, octagon-style, mixed martial arts to do whatever I need to say whatever I need to say in order to make sure, do I have any fellow relationship? No, no one is. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. You see, the part of, my, of, of working on relationships and setting expectations that I didn't realize was that instead of fighting to have a strong relationship, I was fighting against her to get my own way. I can remember the Lord speaking to me. It was probably post-argument that I had won 
at the expense of her emotional well-being that the Lord spoke to me and, and said, he, was, he talked to me in the analogy of a sports team because I grew up playing sports and I understood the context of sports. And he was talking to me about, you know, hockey because that's what I grew up in playing. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, Alex, is it possible for you to win a game and for your teammate to lose? And the obvious answer for that was if any of you have played a team sport, you'd understand that if I was to win the game, that would mean that my whole team won the game, right? It's not like tennis or golf, that it's a solo sport, right? Although sometimes I wish relationship was solo and we could just fight to have our life the way we wanted it to be. But the Lord spoke to me and said very simply that it's impossible if, this, if she is your teammate it's impossible for you to think that by you winning at the expense of her winning, that somehow your relationship is getting stronger. I realized in that very quickly, and, and although my conflict resolution style didn't necessarily change as quickly as I would like to have done, I realized from that point forward that in order for me to win, we had to win that there was a level of expectation that I had to apply to the relationship that wasn't just about me getting whatever I wanted to get, which is when we look in the context with Jesus and the disciples, we realize the conflict came. The indignation came because Jesus did something that they didn't want him to do. That the argument happened, the situation happened, and the outcome was different than the way they wanted it to come. And it says they were indignant to the place that Jesus had to publicly address them. And so I want to understand then, how do we set good expectations? Because we see it really throughout history in the Bible. We, really, we watch as people struggle in their relationships where they have an expectation, and that expectation isn't met. And in, in the story of David and King Saul, it turned to the place where Saul really dedicated his life to ending David's life. We see it constantly throughout Scripture, constantly throughout history. This understanding of expectation, the very thing that's necessary to have good relationships, often is the very thing that plagues them. So how do we set good expectations? I have five things for us. I'm going to motor through them. If we run out of time, you might only get four. So pray that like Joshua, the Lord stops the time. Number one, relationship expectation flaw is expecting it to remain the way it has always been. This is a very problematic expectation when we as human beings, and again, like I said, I apologize if you came and you expected me to break down the scripture. I will invite you, come on back on Sunday where we really dig into the scripture and break it down. <laughs> However, on Wednesday nights, we're going to get real practical. The very, the very problematic, it's a very problematic expectation when the traditions a person carries from their family, they, they carry the traditions from their family, from past relationships, from past jobs, from past churches even, and they expect that the relationship that they're in currently is going to remain the same as their previous relationships. For example, a man who would expect a wife to take care of the house and the chores and cook the meals and do the laundry and get the kids in the tub 
and put them to bed the exact same way his mommy did it, right? How many of you, how many wives in here have been in a relationship that could be something? How many of you husbands have got the frying pan because you said or did something, and, right? Instead, realizing that when we're talking about expectations, rather than carrying expectations from the past, is realizing that every relationship needs to set its own expectations. That a current relationship or a present relationship that you're in should never be compared to past relationships that you have been in and the expectation that the person now is going to do it the same way as the person who did it before is just an unrealistic expectation that you're putting on them and you're setting that person up to fail because while your mom or your dad or your past boss or your old pastor was one way, how many of you know it's crippling to expect someone to be something that God never expected them to have? We see it, we saw it, we talked to it on Sunday in the life of Mary and Martha, in that Martha was, we told her that, told you that she had GCD, remember? Some people have OCD, Martha had GCD, she had the spirit of getting crap done, right? And the problem was, is that Martha had this amazing skill. She had this amazing ability to get stuff done, but the problem was, is she took something that made her so unique and so wonderful and she turned it into an expectation that everybody would possess the same quality. I can remember that I have uh, many stories of preaching, but on this one occasion, I can remember. You know, it, if you ever become a preacher, I'll tell you, be leery of compliments. <laughs> because typically, compliments are really used to butter you up for the <laughs> criticism that you're about to receive. I can remember... There was a, a story of myself, and somebody came up, and they were like, oh, you know, it's so nice. You're so good. You're so blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and then, you know, there's always the but. You know, you ever notice that? You know, the but where it's like, you know, you're so great, and you're so amazing, but. And, you know, everything that you just said really doesn't matter. This is really what you came up here to tell me right now. And they said, you know, you're just so great, and, you know, you're so young. And when people tell you you're young, that's never good, just <laughs> so you know. You're so passionate, which I knew meant you're really loud. And then they said, but you're just not the way my pastor used to be. And I can remember feeling this pressure to feel like I needed to be something that God never asked me to be. And oftentimes inside of relationships, expectations can cripple so many people because we're trying to put something on them that God never expected them to be. Number two. Here's the deal, though. Let me, let me, let me finish this point on this one, actually. Because this is a good point. I was going to skip past it, but then I realized I don't want to. It's okay to enjoy characteristics that are similar to the characteristics that people in past relationships had. Like the strangest thing that I could have swore would never happen literally swore. I would have bet a million dollars it never would have happened that you would marry your mother. Like, I would have told you, there is no way that you would marry your mom. And then I married Danielle, and they did the Enneagram test, and lo and behold, I married my mother. Which is amazing. And here's the thing, is that 
You can love characteristics of people in the relationships that you have had where they share similar characteristics. But it doesn't mean that we have the right to put things on future relationships because past relationships looked a certain way. And I will say I'm very thankful that I married someone like my mom. Thank you. Yes, right. But, no. just kidding, there are no buts. Number two, expecting the unexpected. I think this one is probably the most valuable reality of setting expectations. Expectations can destroy when you expect your partner to do things that you've never communicated to them. I can't tell you how many people I talk to that are having trouble in their relationships. And I ask one, it almost seems like the most ridiculous question, but it stumps people all the time. They'd be like, oh, it's this, and oh, it's this, and oh, we're just that, and oh, it's just, and, I'm, and, and I ask one simple question. Well, have you told her this? And, oh, God, I could never, oh, I could never tell. And my response is very simple. How can you expect her to know something if you aren't willing to let her know you feel this way? How can somebody possibly understand the expectation that you have in your mind if you won't tell them this is what you expect? I've realized this very reluctantly. The value of communication inside of a relationship. Man, it's crazy because everybody thinks that everybody else should be a mind reader, but they don't have to be, right? You ever notice this? That I expect Danielle to be able to read my mind, but then I get mad at Danielle because she expects me to read her mind, right? It's this crazy, strange thing we do as human beings. It's like expecting someone to get you a certain birthday gift or an anniversary gift. And just because they don't get you or have this grand, you know, extravagant gift in order to give you, doesn't mean that they didn't put any thought into it. It doesn't mean that they were negating or neglecting your desire. It was that chances are you had an idea of something and they had no idea that you had the idea that you wanted them to do that thing. We see this in Jesus and the disciples is that they never had a conversation about what Jesus should do, what our mutual expectation is that we should do about oil. You know, in the event, let's like write a contract. In the event that a woman tries to pour expensive oil on your hair, this is the expectation of what you should do. They never had this conversation. They never talked it out. They never thought it out. But the disciples in their mind had an idea of what Jesus should do and then were indignant at the fact that Jesus didn't respond the way they thought, they thought Jesus was supposed to respond. But let me tell you, when you begin thinking about things that people should be doing for you and it's not done, you are only left feeling disappointed. Instead, 
take a risk and try communicating things that you would like people to do. You know, I, I've been studying this concept of um, expectation in order to preach it, but also just to try to be better a person, I guess. And you realize how often people don't communicate things that are very valuable to them on the inside. Or the other ditch is that you feel, we feel as though because I care about something so deeply, it means that the other person has to oblige to the thing that I care so deeply about. This is where expectation goes wrong. Instead of realizing the very purpose of expectation is, like I said in the very beginning, communication to come to a place where you both mutually agree and set an expectation together for the way that you're going to handle a particular situation. But it requires communication in order to begin the journey. Here's the rule. If I won't communicate it, I shouldn't expect it. Number three. The expectations of change. Each and every one of us have heard the famous serenity prayer, right? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Can I tell you a very damaging expectation that we set as human beings? the expectation that someone is going to change. This is always the thing that I, when I talk to people in their relationships, they want to get in a relationship or they want to move to the next place. And, you know, we're talking about things and, you know, they're talking, well, there's this, but I'm sure they'll change. And there's that, you know, but I'm sure it will get better. And, you know, we could probably do this if it's this. And I have to stop them. And I say to them, listen, listen, whoa, 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 whoa. Would you want to marry this person? Would you want to be in this relationship with this person if this person never changed? Why? Because so often we set damaging expectations in our relationships because we set an expectation that somebody is supposed to change something about themselves. It happens all the time inside of relationships. But the question I guess that I would ask is, why would we want those people to change who are in the relationships that we're in? And if they never changed, would we want to be in a relationship with them? And this is what I wrote down, is instead of changing them, learning how to appreciate about them what makes them unique. Here's the thing. When the woman was pouring oil on the head of Jesus, the disciples didn't understand why the woman was doing what she was doing. And so their response was they sought to change the outcome. Jesus also didn't understand. It wasn't like he knew, hey, Jesus, three Tuesdays from now, I'm going to pop by the guy's house and I'm going to pour this oil on your head. And this, Jesus had no idea. This woman just shows up out of nowhere, cracks a jar and starts pouring oil on Jesus's head. How many of that tells you a little bit about Jesus's personality that people would feel that they could just come and pour oil on his head? He was definitely more understanding than me. But this was the beautiful difference about Jesus and the disciples was when the disciples didn't understand something or they didn't like something, 
they sought to change the outcome. But when Jesus didn't understand something, he sought to understand it and then to appreciate it. Instead of trying to change the actions of the woman, Jesus looked for the spiritual significance behind what she did. All too often, people lose themselves in relationships because they try to be something to meet the expectations that somebody sets for them inside of a relationship. I can't tell you how many in my own life in people's lives that I've talked to, where people will come out of a relationship and feel as though a fog has been lifted because they so desperately tried to change to become something to meet the expectations of somebody else. Can I tell you something? From my relationship advice to you, if somebody doesn't love you for who you are, they aren't worth your time. Because the reality is, is that people will want you to change and change, right, except, disclaimer, except if you're married. If you're married, you made your bed, you got to sleep in it, right? That's how it goes, right? But if you're single, looking for a man, my dad says, choose wisely. Because here's the reality, God made you uniquely beautiful. And God made the person who you're going to be in relationship with uniquely beautiful. And if you can't love someone for who they are, chances are they aren't the person for you. Number four, when you have an expectation that things will work themselves out. A friend asked me very recently, actually, they were getting ready to get married, and they asked me, what advice would I give to them before they got married? And I thought about it because I haven't been married that long, but I've been in enough bad relationships to know you could do it right. And after I thought about it, this is what I said to them. Don't expect your marriage to fix itself. You have to work for it every single day. People who have good relationships, I'll tell you this. It's not because the husband and the wife work out a lot and so they stay in shape. It's not because they have some magical chemistry that, that they're just glued together like it is in the movies. I tell you, the relationships that survive, and this is often why relationships inside of our current cultural structure don't survive, is because everybody has an expectation that the other person should do all the work in order to make the relationship work. That's a wrong expectation to have, thinking that things are just going to magically work themselves out. Both partners have to work hard every single day in order to maintain the relationship that they desire to have. I've seen couples in come and go who think that just because they're married or just because they get married or people who get into relationships in order to fix some past wound or trauma in their life i tell you something problems never just fix themselves trauma fear issues never just fix themselves they solutions come as a result of careful and intentional problem solving. 
I can remember years ago, I was in this spot, generally thinking things were just going to work out. I'm a two, and so if you know anything about Enneagram type twos, we really just love to pretend the world is great and there's no problems. And if we could, we would never rock the boat ever. Conflict is really just for crazy mean people. And we're going to live over in happy land where everything is just okay all the time. That's my perfect world. And because of this, as you can imagine, I approached my marriage very much thinking that if we could just continue to sweep issues under the rug and pretend like everything is okay, those issues would just magically go away one day. That one day we could find a big enough box or a deep enough hole to bury all of our unmet emotions and expectations that somehow from that we would produce this beautiful flower of life in our relationship. And then I woke up. Actually, it's true. I woke up. I had a dream one night. And in the dream, it was a horrible dream. And I don't honestly remember all the details. I remember this one detail. It happened probably like a year and a half ago. Danielle and I were, whatever, going through stuff because I love living in denial. Um, and, and one night I had a dream because how many of you are thankful that God, if he can speak to you when you're awake, he'll speak to you when you're sleeping. I can remember having a dream this night and in the dream, Danielle and I, like I said, we weren't necessarily getting along that well at this point and I can remember having a dream and in the dream, something happened and the result of the dream was Danielle left me. And you ever have those dreams where you hope, you're like in the dream, hoping that the dream is a dream? You know, sometimes you're in a dream and you're hoping that the dream isn't a dream. Like typically when you find a lot of money or you have like a really cool car or something and you're like, please God, don't let this be a dream. And then you wake up disappointed. This time was the opposite in that I had a dream that Danielle left me and then I woke up and it was like, you know, you couldn't cuddle close enough because you're like, oh God, I'm so thankful. Oh, that you're still here. And then I, but I woke up from that dream and I realized something. I realized that the outcome of my relationship was going to be that Danielle was going to leave me, not because she's not a great person or that somewhere deep on the inside of me that I'm a great person, but that it was like, if a relationship is going to work, it requires attention, it requires caution, it requires that we don't carry this expectation that things are gonna work out, but that we really work things out, okay? And can I just say, and then I'm going to number five and I'm done. Five minutes, two minutes, three minutes. <laughs> can I just say, uh, if you feel it like this, if you're in a relationship right now, in a marriage relationship or that, because I could be like this, also twos. Twos? Oh, God, we are the worst. Man, we got so many things. But one of the things with twos is we don't necessarily love asking for help. But I just want to say, if you're in, like, in a marriage relationship right now and you're feeling things are not going well, the worst thing that you can do is continue to sweep it under the rug. Find somebody and ask for help. You know, buy a book, take a course, talk to somebody, because there's no such thing as a relationship that's too far gone. Right? There's always hope. Okay, number five. Number five. The worst set of expectations that we can set is setting high, unrealistic expectations for ourselves. Right? Inside of our current culture, but not necessarily, definitely the tide is turning. 
But inside of the traditional Western culture, men have this ex expectation, this standard that they live by, that we're the breadwinner, we're the rock of the family, we're Mr. Do-it-all, fix-it-all, Mr. I-can-do, never ask for help or directions, I got it all under control. <laughs> Women have this self-expectation of having a solid career, running the home with children, keeping the house clean, cooking dinner every night, right? We have all these crazy expectations that come from family, society. Our modern culture has so many unrealistic expectations that are nearly impossible to meet, yet somehow we all feel like we're supposed to meet them all, and we all fall short, and we all beat ourselves up. Can I give you some liberating news? It's okay to ask for help. I realize that life and setting expectations is a lot like Instagram. And I'm actually closing with this. You look at Instagram and you see that everybody else is doing all these amazing things. Or you see that they're achieving these, you know, great career things. They're traveling the whole world. You look at their feed versus your feed. And basically, you're just an inferior bum who drags his way through life compared to some of these people on Instagram. But I realized something that really liberated me is that I don't know what these people's lives are actually like, right? They might look so good in a snapshot, right? With the right lighting and the right filters, everything can look good. But what about the whole picture of their life? And this is what cultural expectation looks like. The proverbial they, right? They say you're supposed to be married by 25. They say you're supposed to be a millionaire by 45. They say you're supposed to be this, and they say you're supposed to have that. And my biggest question that I started to ask myself is, who is they? <laughs> and how do they have all the stuff that I can't seem to ever get working out in my life? <laughs> we have to realize this when setting expectations for ourselves and for the people in our life is that no one is perfect. Everybody has their strengths. Everybody has their weaknesses. Everybody has their faults. Everybody has their flaws. But instead of putting pressure on relationships to be something, to have something that caused stress and anxiety, instead we, we set the right kind of expectations in our relationships. Expectations that we would love each other, care for each other, that we would instead of expecting other people to be the best them, that we would strive to be the best us. We can truly have the relationships that Jesus created for us. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time we have to spend. God, as we can look in Scripture and grow and glean and look at these stories and extrapolate what does it look like to have great relationships? What does it look like to be able to love every day of our life? I ask, Heavenly Father, for every man and every woman in here who finds himself in a relationship. Maybe we have been the victims of high expectations, or maybe we have been disappointed by setting high expectations ourselves in the wrong way. Lord, I'm asking tonight that you would just wipe the slate clean for us. God, that as we walk through this month of restoring relationships, that as we truly ask for help, God, that you would show us the light you said that your word is the lamp to our feet 
and the light to our path. And Lord, you'd lead us to the path of great relationships. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray your life was impacted by the service and that you were able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus, or you've known about him but have been far from him. We want to give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross so that you and I could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. So if you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and have been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. Help me believe in you and love you every day. Help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you just made to have Jesus as the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey, but most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we'd love to send you uh, with some easy steps on how to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you soon.